The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. I'm joined now by a man who might have comments to make on the Australian match last night, Professor Kenneth O'Byrne, a medical oncologist. Uh, we're here to talk about uh, cancer and uh, that, not rugby, but you are an Aussie citizen now. That's right, yeah. I've been living in uh, Brisbane for the last 10 years. And uh, I think a lot of people felt when Eddie Jones came back, it was, a, you know, the coming of the man that's going to change yeah. everything in Australian rugby. But uh, unfortunately, last night's performance, um, well, what can I say? It's just sad to see Australia, who won the world, you know, with the top of the world 20 years ago, yeah. playing very poor rugby. You know, so just, depleted. Yeah, it's very sad. An embarrassment. Uh, anyway, we'll park that and we'll talk Indeed, about yeah. what you're here Better to talk things, about. Yeah. You're the founder of the British Thoracic Oncology Group and founder member of the European Thoracic Oncology Platform, a member of the ESMO Chest Tumors uh, Faculty and so much more. Yeah. You are th- one of the world experts on lung cancer. Yeah, that's, that's nice to say that. Um, I, I I would like to think that I I've dedicated my last thirty year I've dedicated my last thirty years towards lung cancer research and um, and uh, I think uh, I've lived through a period where if you were diagnosed with lung cancer it was basically a death sentence, particularly if it was advanced disease. And now we're having a completely different conversation today yeah. about you know dare to cure the opportunity to cure some patients with yeah. this disease. Um, you're here for the 16th International Symposium on Translational Research in Oncology, which is happening uh, this week. Mm. Um, the idea of lung cancer, it was kind of a poor relation of cancers because people used to blame lung cancer sufferers. Ah, you're a smoker. Yeah. It's your fault. Yeah, and I think that's, um, you know, as human beings, as you know, all of us are very quick to judge people. And I think the people who smoked, people didn't realise that a lot of these people were almost handed cigarettes early on. Um, everybody smoked in their communities. You know, it was, it was a way of fitted into your community and, and particularly working class, working class men. And um, and and so and then as, a, as the dangers of, of cigarette smoking became more apparent, you know, the cigarette companies did nothing to try and alleviate that because mm-hmm. for them it was their sales and their profits. And there's no doubt that um, the cigarette companies are very aware of those issues early on. Pleasingly, today, only is the prevalence of, of cigarette smoking in Ireland is 17%. So the uh, impact of education, um, of making the cigarettes more unaffordable, um, in general increased awareness means that people don't smoke. Remember, when I went to medical school, nearly all my class smoked. Yeah. yeah, that's only you know, 40 years ago, 45 years yeah. ago. And it's not that long ago, you maybe a, a couple of decades ago, but you'd go into a GP surgery and find the ashtray on the GP's desk. Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, education um, uh, has made a massive impact. The biggest thing I think that's, and, and, and I can't underestimate this, is is it became socially unacceptable to smoke. So if somebody came into your house or my house and they were smoking, you'd say, sorry, you can't smoke in here. And by making it socially unacceptable to do, that has had the biggest single impact, I think, on cigarette smoking cessation. But we now have to break the stigma attached to people who are ex-smokers who've actually done the hard mm-hmm. bit, breaking an addiction, giving up the cigarettes, still carrying the stigma, oh, well, you, you smoked. And that's got to change. Um, it's not only smokers, though, who get lung cancer. 100%. And, you know, um, we now have um, overwhelming data that pollution, air pollution, particularly in you know cities that have high levels, um, there's a strong correlation between air pollution and and um, development of lung cancer in never smokers. Also, certain cooking methods that you see in, in East Asia, for example, cooking on flat pans with oils, the, the fumes that come off those almost certainly cause lung cancer. 
And so this is an area that we're seeing growing, um, particularly in women. Um, if you look at the never smoking f- uh, figures, it's largely it's the majority of women. And also in cigarette smoking, there's still, and it's still very annoying, like the TV shows where the person's having the cigarette to make it look real and authentic. There is absolutely, you know, you're telling a story. You don't need to make it authentic by having cigarettes being in the, in the, in the movie. Yeah. In the Although TV if show. you're making a period piece, um, you know, the, the, the idea that you look back at someone in the 1950s yeah. and they're smoking, yeah. it kind of, like you almost look at them and say, that Egypt is smoking. <laughs> yeah. And then you remember, well, that was the time they all smoked. The, yeah. You know, the, yeah. the ad men of Madison Avenue. Yeah, yeah the context. Um, but I don't, I, there was always the, if, I don't know if you remember in the, the kind of, you know, sort of sexy scene in the movie, where, you know, always afterwards there'd be a cigarette. And that was all put in there, you know, like it's, yeah. it's like we're the, a, the aware now bottles, product yeah. pl- placement. 100%. You know, you'll see an Apple laptop being used by someone yeah. Yeah. and it didn't have to show the Apple logo, but it does. It does. Why? Yeah. Because they've been paid to show it. Yeah. Yeah, that's, now, um, there's a story in today's papers from the EPA about uh, air pollution levels and seemingly that our air quality is by and large good, yes. but there are places where it's not good. Yeah, and and, and there's, I think the most important thing of this is that, Pat, is the, is the fact that you, there's a direct correlation between the levels of air pollution and the instance of, cig- of uh, cancer in never smokers. It's, it's a very strong correlation. So we now have really overwhelming evidence that we need to d- tackle that, particularly in big cities. Um, Dublin is still quite a flat city. It's quite a, you know an open city, but in other cities like you go to Taiwan, for example, Taipei, for example, the mm. tall buildings, narrow, smoking, and you know, the, and it's uh, trapped and, and it's pollution. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, um, the other question is that of vaping. Uh, what is your take on that? Because the hand to mouth habit, um, it might be a gateway to uh, smoking, but maybe vaping in itself is hazardous. Yeah, I, I think the you know the jury's out, but certainly I think we need to have very careful legislation about vaping. You know, it's a, as you say, it's addictive, it's habit forming, um, and you know people would suggest that perhaps it can lead on to cigarette smoking. You know, sort so of break that 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 socially unacceptable, you know, smoking. Yeah. Habit uh, and 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 I have very I have concerns around as do many other people. So at the moment we have the International Association for Studies of Lung Cancer saying that we need to be much more robust in the way we license this and legislate it. Now one area that vaping I think can help is uh, if you're a cigarette smoker and you're trying to break that habit, then perhaps vaping can be a way of coming off in the same way as you use nicotine patches for example. Yeah. So so it's all about context. But it, it, the making it a socially acceptable behaviour is not a good thing, in my view. Yeah, and so many young people are hundred percent. That's vaping a big for, worry. Big worry. And, yeah. and um, the, the different flavours that are available. Of course. Uh, it, in terms of the cost, though, of vaping, it's very cheap. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking at nicotine and comparing it directly to the the packet of twenty fags, hundred percent, exactly. And that's that needs to be addressed. So be addressed, would, aggressively. You, would you favour then massive taxes on vaping? I think taxes on vaping, I think education around vaping and the fact that we don't have enough knowledge yet to say that it's, it's safe because we don't. And in fact, the data would suggest it's not going to be safe. The, the data would suggest that there are going to be consequences. Mm. Now, what about the idea that uh, anyone born after a particular year uh, just can't buy cigarettes? They're, they're, they're playing with this idea in Britain at the moment. Yeah, and they already, they've already, I think it's already, I think it's already there in New Zealand. Yeah. So, um, again, the big concern I would always have about cigarettes um, where you have this ban on people at a certain age coming smoking is that th- there's always the danger of introducing a criminal element. 
And so yeah. then cigarettes come off the street then, and then becomes part of a criminal society. And so that's a bigger debate around all drug abuse because, you know, once you criminalise something, then it becomes very hard to control it. Yeah. I think that's a bit Well, of I mean, in this country, there is a black market in, in cigarettes yeah. and it's not, maybe some of them are, are t- uh, more toxic than others, but mm. uh, many of them are just regular brands that find their way in here through uh, an illicit pathway. Exactly. Um, now, back to the research yeah. and the breakthrough research. And before we come specifically to lung cancer, I was reading so- stuff about uh, some of the research in your institution about ageing, living forever, <laughs> reversing the ageing process, <laughs> making a 60-year-old person have the cellular makeup of a 40-year-old. Yes. So um, I think the way to kind of look at this, Pat, is that if you look at every disease that we get, the disease we actually get is ageing. Whether it's heart disease, dementia, cancer, no matter what it is, it's actually ageing. And so we found... Um, uh, and this is where it gets really fascinating. So we, we found, um, um, in fact, it was my colleague, uh, Derek Richard, who's a scientist, discovered a protein in a species called archaea, which is about three billion years old. And he found that this was present, exactly the same proteins present in humans normally. But in cancer, this thing gets ramped up, OK? And it's involved in helping repair your DNA. It gets ma- massively ramped up. And then we look for associations of other proteins with this. And one of those proteins popped up. It's called BANF1, BANF1. So... The diseases of ageing, and nearly all of them are linked to the lack of our ability of our cells to repair DNA properly. As we get older, we don't repair DNA properly. And this protein rises as we get older and switches off the DNA repair. It also downregulates our immune response. So it's almost like it's a protein that's, that was, we're programmed to die. And this is part of the program that gets switched on for us. Okay. Basically, die. And so so something's have, going to get you. Something's going to get based you. Based on your DNA not repairing. Exactly. And this pro and this protein we have developed, uh, we've identified some natural compounds, but also developed we're developing a drug to target this, and it seems to increase what we call health span. In 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 little worms that we test in the in the tube called C. elegans, it improves their activity and makes them healthier. So we're optimistic that not just necessarily this research, but research across the world is going to lengthen health span. Okay, so the idea of this uh, therapy that you've come across, it. Uh, cuts down on the BAMF. That's right. It blocks BAMF's activity. Yeah. Now, if BAMF has already done its work, I'm just thinking of us older f- persons here, you yeah. know, uh, if we take this new drug whenever it becomes available, um, can it then ramp up our DNA repair so we can repair what's already done its damage? Well, I, that's that's the unanswered question, but there are models of other ageing uh, 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 factors that when those factors are targeted, that you can actually reverse aging in animal models. So we've seen this with particularly mice, and uh, so it's so it's it's a very exciting area of research because if you think about it, Pat, then the chances of us getting cancer if we can actually target, we actually probably we possibly could measure something in the blood, like we do with lipids at the moment, yeah. measure it, and then potentially in, introduce our drug probably intermittently. Uh, and prevent that process from happening. So we'll be able to prevent things like cancer, which mm. would be amazing. Okay, but... Or delay them at least. I was going to say you've got to die of something, but if you've got enough of this stuff, I mean, there are ethical uh, problems here, Total, are there not? There's a lot of issues around this, but uh, we suspect what would happen based on our experience within the animals of currently is that people would live a healthier life for longer and then the sort of 
period of time when you're ill would be reduced, you know, and then you possibly go downhill a bit more quickly at the end. OK, and I think but you most live longer, healthier. healthier exactly. Life. So you still be jogging at 70 or 80, you know, playing golf, and tennis, all the rest of it, having a nice lifestyle. And and the interesting thing is the longer people live and the healthier they are, then populations tend to decrease because people have less children because they know they're going to live a long time. So it's funny enough, it might actually be a helpful thing in a, in a, in a society, from a societal point of view. Mm. Less health expenses and maybe smaller populations. Kind of interesting. Very, very interesting yeah. that, uh, you know, the health, uh, we see that the health budget here is going to be overspent by a billion yeah. euro. And imagine if you could cut a, a, away all of that heart disease, Alzheimer's and so yeah. on, uh, or diminish it in numbers. Mm. Uh, huge savings there. Yeah. Now, let's talk about uh, cancer care, particularly in lung cancer. Mm. What are the latest developments for people who, unfortunately, maybe this week or next week or last week, have a cancer diagnosis in the lung? Yeah. So I think the the the, the most amazing thing has been the translation of science, which is really what you know the conference is about at the moment, is translating science into medicine. Uh, that, that, that we're now approaching the treatment of all cancers, but probably the model in some ways is lung cancer by applying our understanding of the biology to develop new drugs that are treating people effectively. So I'm going to give some three three examples. One is immune therapy. So immune therapy, we know that the cancer cell can switch off the immune response. That's how it works to stay alive. It's part of its you know yeah. strategy. And um, we can give drugs that release that break, that take that break off and allow the immune system to attack the cancer. And amazingly, in those patients that we select for immune therapy, if you've had no um, uh, prior treatment, so you're going first line and you're giving this, these new drugs, you can have 15% to 20, 30% of patients alive at five years. Previously, that was nine to 10. To 10 was. And are we talking about people who have stage four cancer? Yes, yeah, stage four, talking about the really advanced disease. And then what we're finding is that using the same strategies and we're moving it earlier in the disease, we're getting much better results because the patients are generally, mm. we, have, we have good results with radiation and chemo, but now we're adding these drugs on. So we're moving it earlier. And then just to mention the other one is targeted therapies. Patients have specific mutations we can give drugs to that's lengthened their lives as well. This so personalised medicine. Personalised medicine, exactly. Now, uh, when you talk about uh, immunotherapy, uh, the, the theory was before, I remember, and this is so out of date, I'm sure, what I'm going to say now. The idea was that when you had cancer cells, the messages they were dropping were to the immune system, I'm healthy, exactly. I'm a good cell, Correct. I'm, I'm a good guy. So the immune system said, fine, carry on, it multiply. Sounds like, sounds like politicians, don't they? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but, uh, but basically, they, uh, yes, that's, that's correct. I mean, that's exactly the point. So they, 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 the nature of all our cells in a normal body is tolerance. All our cells are tolerating each other. And the cancer cells use that, that language of tolerance to make them tolerated by the immune system. It says, oh, no, you, look, don't, you don't look right. And the guy says, no, I'm fine. Yeah, <laughs> and, then, and, and, and that's how they, they exactly. grow and grow and exactly. grow. And exactly. th this way will alert the immune system to the fact Correct. this is a rogue cell, not a good guy. Correct, that's exactly right. It unmasks the cancer cell. Now, the targeted therapies, uh, the personalised medicine, are they very expensive? They are very expensive. Um, and But, you know, it's, it's all about what people talk about, qualities, quality adjusted life years saved. And so we have, and, and they're actually getting cheaper. So, you know, the first generation are now much cheaper than they were. And so even though it costs a lot for the newer ones, 
the ones behind are now available. So, so there's benefit, you know, it's that kind of catch up thing that will happen yeah. anyway in cost. Now, now, when we talk about targeted therapies, um, is every patient unique or is it, uh, you know, this patient and the other patient and the third patient, the fourth, they all have these common uh, mutations and we can attack them with one drug? 100%. And, but the thing is that we are actually now being able to personalise right down to the, increasingly for the individual patient. So we say, for example, we have an EGFR mutation, epidermal growth factor receptor mutation. We have a tablet, we give it to that patient. Then the patient gets resistance. We can then sequence their genes, see new targets and combine drugs to improve their survival. So it's going to become incredibly uh, intricate how we treat patients. And this is where AI is coming in, helping us to, you know, look at uh, this huge array of proteins and and. Um, expression of DNA, you know, the wakening up of DNA in yeah. cancer cells and switching off of DNA and being able uh, and switching off of genes. And we're beginning to use that now to really get a grasp on those patients that are going mm-hmm. to be cured potentially from immune therapy, for example, or get a long-term survival with a targeted therapy or we may be able to combine a targeted therapy with immune therapy or with chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. So it, we're really making steady progress yeah. in this. So uh, the, you anticipated my next question and that is the place of radiotherapy, the place of surgery, the place of chemotherapy against this new, uh, the background of this new frontier. Yeah. Do they all Crucial. have a place? All have a role, 100%. And the great thing is that, you know, we're now using a, a radiotherapy often to prime the body to get immune therapy. So there's all this kind of area coming where there's a big studies going on in this area. And then with the use of surgery, we may actually have more surgery, but maybe with less intent to cure, but more to get bigger pieces of tissue to look at per- well. And then we're also being able to look at the blood and all the markers in the blood as well. So I would be very optimistic that we're going to see mm-hmm. massive advances in lung cancer. Crack lung cancer, and you'll crack every mm. cancer. Um, so you might actually extra- have surgery simply to get a sample of what you need to do Correct. to get your recipe for the therapy. 100%. And the, the thing is that surgery is becoming increasingly safe. You can do these as day procedures now. So this is becoming more and more interesting. And also mm. using surgery to see how well the tumour has responded and is there any tissue left behind? Is there any cancer cells left behind where we need to approach them and attack them in a different way? Now, what about medicines that can be targeted like little silver bullets? In other words, they will only attach to the problem cells because when people take, it's a bit like a systemic weed killer. It'll kill everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's absorbed into the system and yeah. it kills the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and, and, that's why people react so badly to chemo a lot of the time. It yeah. makes them very sick and yeah. so on. And they have to take anti-nausea. But if you could get a, a, a drug that goes right to your liver or right to your lung or right to your earlobe or whatever mm. it is, um, how, how are we in terms of those for lung cancer? Yeah, we're moving forward. There's no question that there, there, we can now deliver uh, drugs attached to an antibody that will bind to a specific protein on, that's overexpressed in cancer cells. It's At the moment, it's not completely targeted, but it's getting better. It means we can deliver much more toxic drugs than we used to in the past. Now, uh, the, is it, there's a meeting in the Herbert Park Hotel at yeah. uh, half past six on Wednesday. Uh, the title of the meeting is Dare to Cure Lung Cancer. It's uh, open to the public. 100%. I think this, this is great, a great initiative. It's one of the real successes of what Professor Crown has done with the, with the uh, cancer group that they set up, that we can, um, you know, that patients can come and hear, and I'll be there talking, and I'll also be able to answer anybody's questions if they're there, so I'm yeah. actually giving the talk there. Uh, one of my listeners says, please discuss treatments for small cell lung cancer. What's that? Yeah, so small cell lung cancer is a very aggressive form of lung cancer. It is one that's more closely associated with cigarette smoking. 
Um, and we are now seeing some advances with chemotherapy combined with immune therapy. It's a harder nut to crack, but we're making steady advances as we go forward. Yeah, another one says, and you expect one or two of these. I'm a 40 a day man and I'm only 84. <laughs> so what do you say to that statistical say, anomaly? Yeah. So no, I would say is that if you're 84 and you're 40 a day man and you stop smoking, you probably live a bit longer than if you kept smoking. Okay, that's the, that's the lesson. By the way, anyone who can't make it to the Herbert Park Hotel, it's open uh, to watch online as well at neil, N-E-I-L, dot conlon at dcu dot I-E. Um, it's a pleasure meeting you again. The last time we met was a long time ago. Indeed, yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, it's good to see you. And one of your mentors is a pal of mine, Des Carney. That's right. But Des was a remarkable man. He was an innovator. He was he had a vision for the future and he and he is now, I mean, he wrote a paper after, I think it was about 10 years, 15 years ago, he said, we need to do better with lung cancer than chemo. And what are we doing? We're doing better. All right. Yeah. Professor Kenneth O'Byrne, thank you very much for joining us on the programme today. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.